What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we are going to take a look at the 43-6 Atlanta victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, I have to admit, this is absolutely not something I was expecting. You know, I have been giving the Raiders a lot of respect for the way they've been doing things as of late. Derek Carr had seemed to kind of turn a corner as far as his ability to push the ball down the field a bit. So, And when you're running the ball the way they were running the ball, it seems like a sustainable thing to be able to go over the top of defenses, to be able to use Derek Carr in a way that makes sense. But today, the Atlanta Falcons shut everything down and really came through with a nice win. It seems to be a different team since Raheem Morris took the reins. And it's been impressive to see the turnaround in the Atlanta squad. Uh, You know, the offense was always this and has always been what it's been as far as the Atlanta offense. But the defense has been what has been really improved about this team. That's Raheem's side of the ball. Not as much film out on exactly what Raheem's going to do. And while they're running a similar scheme to what they were doing, I mean, it's not like they changed personnel and got all different coaches and, you know, came up with all kinds of different things, but they are playing a lot better. It has a lot to do with the health of their linebackers and having really a lot of team speed overall. Grady Jarrett wrecks things a lot. Deion Jones was all over the place. I mean, it was a big-time effort. I love the way – I'm going to try his name, but uh, Jacob Talati Mariner, man, he was getting after it. Um, they all kind of got to Derek Carr at different points, and it was nice to see the Atlanta attack really getting after it. And it's just been a big-time turnaround since they fired Dan Quinn. I got to think I'm not a huge fan – I'm not a huge fan of the interim coach becoming the coach, but I have to admit Atlanta has played a lot better and he ha- he does have head coaching experience. So I could see this being one of the better situations for that, but you know, I've just been scarred before with some of the ways that things have gone down in the past with, you know, these types of things. Now, as for the fantasy options on the Atlanta side, You know, they didn't ask Matt Ryan to do a whole lot in this game because he didn't really have to at a certain point. He definitely was integral in getting them up. He was getting away from pressure. The Raiders' defense got frustrated. That had been a big part of what the Raiders' defense had been doing is getting pressure. And Matt Ryan did a good job of mitigating that pressure, getting the ball off, creating a little extra time with his mobility in the pocket. So while he's not the fastest guy, we've already established that he definitely has all the little moves that you need to make from within the pocket to create space and create time. And that's what you're doing. You're trying to create time to get the routes down the field, to make good throws. And while they do a good job of getting the ball out of his hand, this offense is dangerous because they're able to push the ball down the field with Ridley, with Gage, and a lot of time with Julio. Now, this game could have even been worse. It sounds crazy to say that 43-6 doesn't even really tell the story, but there were so many field goals and so many missed chances by Atlanta to score more points. This should have been a lot worse. A lot worse. I just, you know, if they'd have been able to convert, if Julio would have been in there for a couple of them instead of some of the more spare wide receivers, then they would have made a lot more plays in this game. And it's not like 
the Raiders' defense is terrible. They've been serviceable on many occasions, but at the same time, it's not like it's been the dominating unit either. They just weren't able to get the pressure today, and it exposed their secondary, and it wasn't like they had a dominant running day, especially early on. It definitely was more to Matt Ryan's credit than 186 yards would lend itself to. Now, he had the two touchdowns in the interception, and of course, he didn't add much with his legs. But like I've been saying for weeks, that's the issue when you have a pocket passer only is that you are susceptible for a game plan where they are able to run the ball or they get up big like this and they take the air out of the ball. You know, Matthew Stafford suffers from this from time to time. You know, Big Ben is going to have those moments. Drew Brees, you know, it just happens to these quarterbacks that don't run like they like the rest of them do. So you have to be aware of that. But then again, Matt Ryan certainly is showing that he has what it takes and he's probably is one of the better pocket passers available if that's the way you've had to go to this point. It's not the easiest of schedules either for Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons going down the stretch. New Orleans, at the Chargers, Tampa Bay, at Kansas City. And if the Chargers have Joey Bosa, they're good. If they don't, they're bad. So... That could go either way. Tampa Bay has been good, but they just got exposed by Kansas City. And then it's a question of trying to keep up with Kansas City for Atlanta. You know, I'm not super excited about the schedule down the stretch. So hopefully you've been heeding my warnings to try and get into a better quarterback situation, whether it's Deshaun, Kyler, Patrick, Lamar, you know, somebody that has that rushing floor, Josh Allen that has shown that the offense runs through them, that they get used on the money plays. Those are the quarterbacks that we're trying to have down the stretch, not the pocket passers, not the ones that don't give us that rushing floor. Now, Matt Ryan is one of the best of the pocket passers, and I love his game. He absolutely has fastball, but this is the point, and this is what we're trying to get into for next year, is you want to start thinking about these type of decisions when it comes to who you pick at quarterback. You want them to have some rushing ability and you want them to use that so that, you know, you're insulated a bit, you know, should the passing game not be there. Now, pocket passers for your receiving options, that's absolutely okay. I'm I'm so excited about Calvin Ridley and just the growth that he's shown this year. You know, I knew that they were going to be a lot of targets on the other side of Julio, but I just didn't realize that he was going to take such a leap. It looks like he's gained about 10 pounds this year, and I just think that he's really shown us that his route running, his connection with Matt Ryan, just all of those things make him a target for next year. He makes him somebody that I'm absolutely going to be starting down the stretch. You know, despite the tougher matchups from Matt Ryan and the offense overall – I still think they're going to have to be throwing the ball. I think Calvin Ridley is absolutely the number one option with Julio out there, and it doesn't hurt him to have Julio out there. Julio just makes this thing even more potent. Eyes go towards him, kind of keeps the pressure off Calvin. So I'm absolutely okay either way with the way if Julio plays. As for Julio, they haven't really come out and said, you know, what's going to happen with him going forward. I got to think they want to get him back out on the field. So I, I'm guessing he'll probably be out there next week from what, I, what I'm hearing. But they haven't really come out and given it a time frame yet. So we just want to be aware of that, and we want to know kind of what we're dealing with as far as his health, if, uh, if we can help it. As far as the rest of it goes, I still like Russell Gage with Julio out. 
I think there's a better opportunity for them to have to push the ball and push the passing totals going forward. So, you know, like I said, it wasn't good today because they got so far up on Las Vegas, but I don't see the game script playing out that way going forward. So I don't think I'd be wary of that. It's just you weren't really counting on him as a wide receiver two anyway. He's more of a boomer bust wide receiver three at this point. But, you know, like I said, if people have large leagues with deep benches, you know, you could be looking at that. And like I said, if Julio's out, I'm kind of into Russell Gage because he absolutely has the talent. It's just like when they took the air out of the ball today and didn't have to push the ball down the field, it really affected Russell more than the rest of them. So Matt Ryan, not a great day like we talked about. They didn't have to do much once they got up. So it just ended up taking everything out of everybody. And had you told me that the game went that way, I would have told you without Todd Gurley in the lineup that it would have pumped life into Brian Hill. And unfortunately, it looks like I would have been wrong. I think Brian Hill is fast, and I think he definitely has NFL talent. But for whatever reason, Ido Smith seems to be a better fit overall for how this team is running the ball at this time. And Atlanta absolutely went with the hot hand down the end of the game with Ido Smith. Ito looked to run with a lot more power and was running angry, and I liked it. I just thought the way that they had kind of telegraphed everything, that it would be Brian Hill that got a little bit more of the nod. And he really did early on and really wasn't able to do much with it. And if you put the carries and touches together, it makes for one really good running back. But I don't see Atlanta going that way. I don't see them giving it to one person. I see them probably splitting it between Ito and Brian Hill either way. Brian's faster, definitely, but I, like I said, I like the way that Ito was running. He was running angry, and while that's not super sustainable for a career, if the guy has it going and he has the ability to run through those tackles and do that for the offense, they're absolutely going to give him the ball. So I think it's probably a situation to avoid overall. It's not like Atlanta was a dominant running attack in the first place. So it was really a situation before this where they needed to just fall into the end zone to really have that value. Now, if you need a running back and Todd Gurley remains out, then certainly I might try and take a shot if I'm super desperate. But at the same time, I'm just not really that into it. They haven't really come out and said how long Todd Gurley is going to be out with his knee. So we'll have to see kind of what comes out in the health reports probably both of them should be rostered just to see if anything kind of shakes out for the playoffs, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a super fruitful situation for the running game. I don't see them getting up on any of the teams that they have left. So I don't know if that's going to be something I get super excited about, but at the same time, I think they both should be rostered in 12 team leagues. Cause I mean, it's just a situation where it might shake out and you might have to have them down the stretch, depending on the injuries. So it's weird to not be as hopeful about the Matt Ryan situation when they just beat what we all thought was a good Las Vegas Raiders team. Like I said, he was moving around the pocket fine and he got the job done. He just didn't really convert a lot either. That was the big problem overall. And it should have been a worse game than this. Really, had they converted a little bit more in the red zone, had they been able to move the ball down the field a little bit more freely, this could have gotten a lot worse because the Raiders, as we're switching to the Raiders, just did not have a lot going on offense today. Atlanta did a good job of coming out and stifling the run. 
There was a lot of times that Las Vegas shot themselves in the foot. And you know what? It's weird that this game was as close as it was through like the second quarter, like midway through the second quarter. But once Atlanta started to pull away and the Raiders didn't match, they just ended up getting further and further down. The Atlanta chipped away with field goals and the like. And then once the pick six happened, it was over from there. Now, it was also that Derek Carr not only picked sixth, but lost three fumbles as well. And while Atlanta was doing a good job of putting pressure at the right times, it certainly did feel a little bit like Derek's fault too. Like, I know he doesn't throw a lot of picks, but he definitely has had a lot of fumbles this year. And when they weren't able to establish the run and it was all on Carr to really bring them down the field and bring them back, they just didn't really have that gear. So while I think if the game goes right for the Raiders, they absolutely have the ability to win it, it's hard to see them being a playoff team that goes a long way. And I'm just not sure that I believe down the stretch, especially if they actually lost Josh Jacobs for any amount of time. He, he got an ankle injury late in the game. So if they lost him for any amount of time, that's going to be a situation where they're not, they're probably not going to be as apt and able to establish the run. And it's going to lead to a lot more pressure on Derek Carr to throw the ball down the field and and convert third downs. And it was really tough for them today. And like I said, they shot themselves in the foot plenty. You know, Atlanta did a good job of getting back there in the backfield and just really disrupting what the Raiders wanted to do. And when Atlanta was still able to move the ball enough to kind of keep chipping away and keep getting up, there was just no way that the Raiders had that gear, like I talked about, that they were going to be able to get to and really come back on Atlanta. They kind of eventually just kind of gave up and at one point put Peterman in. I mean, it was, it was a give up. Now, I don't think that the Raiders gave up on their team and their coach like Detroit. I just think they got outclassed today. I think they got out coached, and I think Raheem Morris had a really good game plan for what to do against the Raiders. And that's the problem with being so lopsided and not having the and not having balance in your offense. And you know, they're limited by what they have, whether it be at quarterback or any position. So we just have to realize that. And they've just been kind of average on both sides. And some teams you know, aren't balanced enough to handle that even. So they've been able to beat up on some teams. You know, they beat Kansas City. I think that made a lot of people a believer. But every team will have an off game every so often. And uh, really, I just think that the league is kind of catching up a little bit on the Raiders. And I don't see it being a situation that I'm probably targeting in fantasy much outside of a couple of things. So number one, you're probably not – starting Derek Carr much anyway, especially in your 10 to 12 team leagues, maybe in a two quarterback league, you've been kind of working it a little bit and got burned today, but still, I don't think that's something you're excited about. That had to have been an injury situation where you're playing your third quarterback at that point. So it's a tough situation, but it is what it is. I'm not really looking to the Raiders for much down the stretch. Anyway, I just need him to support a couple of things. So number one, I need to hit, need him to hit Darren Waller. Atlanta did a good job of keeping Waller under wraps. Atlanta has fast personnel in their linebackers and safeties that can cover. So 
it was tough for Darren to get loose today. And I think that was also part of what really stifled the Raiders a good deal. So I got to think that the Raiders are going to try and get Darren Waller established. He absolutely is getting targeted more in the red zone. That's been beautiful to see. And it's not like he wasn't targeted. It was just a situation where Atlanta did a good job of covering him up. And Derek tried to push it to him, and they just had tight coverage on him and made it difficult to catch the ball. So kudos to Atlanta. Like I said, this was a complete turnaround from Atlanta as far as what they had shown in the first part of the season under Dan Quinn. Like I said, Atlanta's got to be looking hard at their options as far as are they going to go with Raheem Morris. And I got to think they're going to be evaluating things down the stretch because they have Matt Ryan and they know that his window will close eventually and that they need to get after it with him. Now, like I said, I want Darren Waller to get supported. I got to think they're going to come out with more of that. And he was just unlucky today. So keep riding him as far as the tight ends go. You know, I think if I was thinking about any of the options for Oakland, you know, I like Renfro, Ruggs, and Nelson Aguilar as far as how they've been playing. It hasn't been a lack of wide receiver, it feels like. It just feels like it's the scheme for Derek Carr, and then it's his just averageness as far as quarterback goes. I mean, certainly he's definitely one of the best 30 quarterbacks in the world. It's just, man, just doesn't quite get you there. And it's hard to really put your finger on what it is exactly, but it just doesn't have that other gear that other quarterbacks have. So I'm not really into any of them. Maybe you're thinking about Renfro a little bit. You know, he looked good today. They look for him as a possession target, and he does a good job of getting open. Certainly Henry Ruggs has talent as well. I just wonder if I'm going to be able to talk myself into any of them in the offseason also. You know, I like to think of Henry Ruggs as a best ball target because in best ball, you're not having to start him. He just gets put into your lineup if he has a blow-up day. And I like those type of receivers, but they haven't really panned up out for me as much this year. So I'm going to have to think about that and how I'm going to play that next year for best ball. I'm certainly going to have more content on best ball this year because it's one of my new favorite formats that I want to spread around and have everybody get into because it is a lot of fun. But anyway, talking wide receivers, probably not getting into any of them unless I'm desperate. Now, they do get the Jets next week, so obviously that's a matchup to get right in. But then they have Indianapolis. That's not good for them. Darius Leonard still in the game, although they lost to Forrest Buckner. You know, I don't think that's a good matchup for them. Then if the Joey Bosa is still healthy for the Chargers, also not good. And then Miami has also been good on defense this year. So all not great, although Miami's strength is their cornerbacks, but it's still not a great matchup. So I'm not really excited about much as far as outside of Darren Waller and possibly Devontae Booker down the stretch. Now, the only reason we would be excited about Booker is if Jacobs is out for any extended period of time. So with Jacobs in there for any amount of time, for any amount of carries, it completely makes Booker unstartable. However, if Jacobs is out, you've got to run to the waiver wire for Booker because he would be the man that would take over the carries in this instance. They don't really run anybody else out there hardly. I would think that he would get the bulk of the carries, and I think he has a little bit of NFL juice there. So 
while there's a certain amount of talent, this is a volume-based play for a team that wants to run the ball. We'll get a good look at it next week against the Jets. So we'll have an idea now. We'll want to temper our expectations on what happens because that will be the Jets. But at the same time, like I said, if they say that Jacobs is out for any amount of time, I think I would absolutely get on the Booker train because, like I said, they're going to try and run the ball. And they would absolutely use Booker in that scenario. There's no doubt in my mind. I I missed on Brian Hill. You know, like I said, I would have thought they would have given him a more run, but Edo Smith might be a better mix for their running attack. I absolutely know that they would use Booker in this instance. So I've been watching them all year, and that's who they go to when Jacobs is out. That's who they go to when they spell Jacobs. So now, like I said, the opportunity – is what it is. You know, they may not have a great time moving the ball, but I got to think if you're desperate enough at that point, at least the Jets, and, you know, I mean, and who knows how the injury situations are going to play themselves out. So if you have the ability to get Booker and stick him on your bench, I would do so, even if it's just to block other people from having him. Well, that's all I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. And of course, if you've gotten to this point and haven't done so yet, please download the podcast. Apparently that's the metric that counts. So give your boy a download and let me know that you liked the podcast. Maybe give me a review if you have the time, Uh, but otherwise take the information, go win your league and have a great rest of your day.